1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It's Monday and we are continuing our divisional previews. We're starting the AFC East today. And just thinking about Josh Allen was too much for Matt Bruning to handle. So he is not with us today. But I am joined by Dennis. How was your weekend? Dude, I had a
2: great weekend. I took our off day on Friday, and we rented a pontoon boat that had a big enough motor we could pull a tube, went out on the lake, spent a few hours out there. Um, Then I spent uh, Saturday and Sunday dodging the wife's honey-do list.
1: I pretty much worked every day, but... What That's else is you. new? Right. right. What else is new? Did get you know? Did get a little writing. Watched uh, watched a few pieces of the the Hall of Fame game. Um, you know when it wasn't rain delayed before my wife came home and we wanted to watch something else. Ironically about torrential rain. Uh, but
2: no, I I keep catching parts of it um, on replay. You know, there's a lot of hubbub about. Josh Jacobs being played and how much he was played. And, you know, I don't know. I still think he's the best back on that team. Um, I'm not going to read a ton into that. Uh, you know, I don't know that they're, they were looking to resign him anyways. And I think Josh McDaniels, if he's learned anything, it's that you put the best players on the field. And I do think Jacobs is their best running back. Um, but I also think that situationally, he may not be the best running back. So that there may be several running backs used in Las Vegas. And, you know, I'm not scared of drafting Josh Jacobs. You know, obviously, everybody I, in any draft, I'm currently uh, in five active drafts right now. And uh, I'm anywhere from two to five picks away from being on the clock, uh, which means at probably 90 seconds from now, all five of them, I'll I'll be on the clock because that's just how it rolls. But, no, I, I think that the, the, I'm just happy to have football back, man. I don't okay. care if it was a, a lousy game. I'm just happy to have football back.
1: Well, I mean, <clears throat> first of all, Las Vegas fans, uh, this is the Josh McDaniels experience. Expect the unexpected. Um, I don't know how else to prepare you. At least you got Devontae Adams. But in his time with New England, he always used multiple backs, so I wouldn't be surprised. I'm also not reading a ton into you know maybe they wanted to see how Jacobs looked against the blocking scheme and stuff. He had five carries, thirty yards. He had six yards a carry. That wasn't you know, it's not like he came out and had a bad performance and then Samir White got in there. They were also playing the Jaguars. So maybe, maybe we'll slow our role that Josh Jacobs is dead and Samir White is an RB1. Uh, maybe wait for the second week of preseason right, All right. before we make those declarations. But before we dive into the Bills and uh, McDaniel's former team, the Patriots, there is a little bit of news. Uh, first off, D. De- Deontay Johnson gets a contract extension with the Steelers. I don't know about you, Dennis. I was mildly surprised. It has not always been the Steelers pattern uh, to pay big extensions to some of the the star players, especially some of the offensive players. But they make that investment in Deontay Johnson, locking him up for a little bit longer. I think we both already thought he was the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh. Um, But what does this extension mean for you? Well, it means
2: that I'm confident in the shares of Deontay Johnson that I roster. He is the the wide receiver one there, and it's not a terrible contract. I mean, it's, what, $18 million a year, but it's only for two years. So it isn't like the that they're going to be on the hook for a lot of money four years from now. I, I think for Johnson, it's great. He gets to keep working hard um, and put himself in position to grab a maybe grab a a big payday. Uh, If Kenny Pickett turns out to be a, a good quarterback, it could really, really benefit Deontay Johnson.
1: Yeah, I mean, I still like him too. I think the biggest question in Pittsburgh is probably the quarterback situation right now, as we've talked about before. I know Chase Claypool thinks he's one of the three best receivers in the NFL, but I still think Johnson is their best receiver. And it seems like George Pickens has really been coming on this offseason, so I'm going to be curious to see how targets and stuff shake out. Johnson is still the one I am the most confident about. In sadder news for both of us, Matthew Stafford having some elbow pain. Yeah. Uh,
2: I'm on the clock and I'm at the 112 in the Pollys playoff. And it's a super flex league. And I just got on the clock. I just got the wow in my ear because Russell Wilson went at 111. Now I don't hate that. Yeah. So it went Allen Herbert Mahomes, Jonathan Taylor, Lamar Jackson, Cooper Cup. Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. Do you know what that leaves me with in the Superflex League?
1: Matthew Stafford.
2: Yeah, but I don't care about that. It leaves me with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase.
1: Oh, because you're at the turn.
2: I'm at the turn, and I am going to draft Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase.
1: There you go. Well, Matthew Stafford, our friend, reigning Super Bowl champion – uh, quarterback is having some elbow issues. Um, you know, it seems like he's trying to fight through it. Cause for concern.
2: Well, we saw what a uh, elbow issue did for Ben Roethlisberger, and I, I think if you roster Matthew Stafford, you, you know, you might be looking at uh, what are the options. You know, is what do you think of John Wolford? Um, is there if you're a contender, maybe maybe it's time to uh, move him. Uh, I, uh, I like Stafford a lot. I have a few shares of him. And I I think that, um, you know, hopefully they're just managing the situation, you know, going to take it easy. They know he can throw the ball. Well, I think giving him a few practices off when it doesn't matter uh, is not going to, um, isn't going to hamper that offense.
1: Well, you answered my second question, which was I was going to see if you could name a Rams backup quarterback. They do have John Walford there, Luis Perez or Bryce Perkins. So probably names who want to get to know. I still think too, if it looks like this is going to be a serious problem, I wonder if the Rams look around and see what quarterbacks come available once you get to cut down day.
2: Well, I hear Carolina's shopping uh, Sam Darnold.
1: Sean McVay would probably rather run with John Wolford than that. The ultimate intrigue revenge might be seeing Jimmy G end up (laughs) with the Rams and having to play because Stafford was injured and and beating Trey Lance twice in in the year. Yeah, that would be funny. Uh, Our final news story is another uh, player who uh, was briefly disgruntled this weekend but seems to be uh, sort of back on track, and that's Kareem Hunt. He was having a hold-in, which lasted a grand total of two days. He seemed to want an extension with Cleveland. They said no. Then he asked to be traded, and they said no, so he just went back to practicing. Do you think anything changes with Kareem Hunt prior to the season or during the season? I definitely
2: think that – if Cleveland is stinking to join up, I think they'll be open to moving in for draft capital. I think if somebody comes in with a a high pick, and I would say a high pick for him would be a fifth rounder, maybe a fourth. You know, He's in a tough spot because he's, he's one of the 32 best backs in the NFL, and he's stuck behind Nick Chubb, who is one of the – Five best backs in the NFL. Um, I, I guess Stefanski wants to use multiple backs. He doesn't give Nick Chubb the amount of receiving work I think he has probably earned. But Kareem Hunt also is a really good receiving back. I would honestly, I would love to see them move Kareem Hunt somewhere where he could be the starter. I don't know where that is right now. You know, things are kind of settled for the most part around the league at this point. But I do like um, that he, you know, he made his case, said, I want this. You should do this. And they said, you know, it unless it's going to make our team better, we're not going to do anything. And he realized the best thing to do was get back to work because the truth of the matter is he's playing for a contract next year.
1: Yeah, and we haven't heard the results of the expedited appeal, but part of me wonders if Watson ends up getting a full season instead of the six games that was announced. Um, you know, if they don't look to move Hunt, maybe some of these other pieces. Because fa- fascinatingly, I was listening to NFL radio and they were talking about the. Kareem wanted to stay in Cleveland likes it there, but they don't have the money, and they have one of the most expensive payrolls over the next three years right. uh, committed to uh, in the NFL. And if you're looking at, you know, I think we all believe that if we're getting a Jacoby Brissett season, it's probably a 7-8 win season not in the playoffs. might be time to move on, and I'm sure there's some some teams – uh, one of the more interesting ones when they were talking about potential trade destinations for hunt for me was Kansas City because he thrived there. and I have think they have no incredible confidence right now in ceh
2: right.
1: And you don't need the next cream hunt in Isaiah Pacheco if you could just get the OG cream hunt back.
2: right. I, I don't know that and I think another team mentioned was Buffalo. now he he would be, I think he would be the best back in both of those cities. Um, but I don't think in either one he would get the amount of work, uh, and we'll talk about Buffalo here in a little bit. Um, I don't think he he would get the amount of work of work that we would uh, that we would want. I think Kansas City, they just pass the ball so much anymore. And while Hunt would be useful, um he's not gonna get quite the volume. I do think they would still use. Um, C.E.H. But one thing that for it doesn't really matter how much better C.E.H. gets right now, the dude can't get in the end zone when he's running the ball. Yeah.
1: Well, you mentioned them there. We will uh, turn our attention to beginning our preview. This is the top half of the AFC East, and we have to start with the Buffalo Bills. They were the uh, winners of the division last year. They finished 11-6. and six. They lost a heartbreaking game to the Chiefs in the divisional round because of the overtime rules. Uh, this offseason, Emmanuel Sanders is out. He's still unsigned. Uh, so, too, is Cole Beasley, also unsigned. Mitch Trubisky left and took a job with the Steelers. Matt Breida moved over to the Giants. Key additions this offseason, they went and got the Jet, former Jets receiver, Jamison Crowder. Uh, they traded for Case Keenum to be the new backup quarterback. They signed Duke Johnson from Miami, which seemed like an interesting signing until we went into the draft. And then the biggest signing for them, they went and got pass rush specialist Vaughn Miller, who is fresh off of winning his second Super Bowl. In the draft, they snagged James Cook, uh, which is one of the reasons Duke Johnson's signing is less interesting, Uh, running back out of Georgia. And they also took Khalil Shakir, the wide receiver. Josh Allen is still there. Stephon Diggs is there and Dawson Knox a tight end. Gabe Davis is poised to step up and Jamison Crowder is in the mix. What are you expecting from this passing game, Dennis? And can Josh Allen repeat as QB one in fantasy?
2: First off, I'm going to say, yes, Josh Allen can repeat. I don't think he's going to, um, but I do think he can, uh, the, the thing with Allen is the 756 yards of rushing. Um, I think that's what it was. But when it comes to the passing game, they were fifth in the NFL in pass attempts last year. And I think that that's probably, they're a pass first team and Allen is their goal line back. I don't think, you know, Zach Moss is literally going undrafted. He's RB 97 and Duke Johnson doesn't show up on sleepers. Uh, July 27th ADP, Duke Johnson's not showing up. So, so, uh, managers, they're all about Devin Singletary and James Cook, but they're not going to get a whole lot They're, You know, I don't know how they're going to split up the 184 targets that were left over by uh, Emmanuel Sanders and uh, who's that other cat, Cole Beasley. That's the really the big question. I feel like the passing volume is going to be fairly consistent. So what happens with those 184 targets? Well, Stefan Diggs had 164 targets last year, so I don't know that he goes up a lot with the targets. Everybody's All-American Gabe Davis has – has, has really been, he's been everybody's breakout candidate. And so I was really surprised to see that his ADP was still just wide receiver 35. The way you uh, see it on Twitter, you'd think he was, you know, up there with T Higgins, uh, like it's Chase and Higgins and uh, Diggs and Davis, but at wide receiver 35, I still think Davis is going to be a uh a bargain, he had 63 targets in 2021. I think he gets a significant portion of that 184 targets that were left over by Sanders and Beasley. So let's say he goes up to 110, 115 targets, he's gonna deliver. The RBs had 96 targets in 2021, led by 50 uh, targets. Uh, Who was the, uh, Devin Singletary, Uh, With 50 targets, I feel like close to 100 targets is probably going to be in the realm of, you know, maybe maybe the running back split 110 instead of um, 95. And then the tight ends had 83 targets last year. So we saw a lot of talent out of O.J. Howard when he was at Alabama. And for whatever reason, it did not click in Tampa. Well, we've seen a ton of Dawson Knox uh, talent in the NFL when he got virtually no targets in college at Ole Miss. So now Knox and, and Howard are poised to be a really formidable tight end duo. You've got Diggs and Davis at the top. Uh, I think as a from a macro perspective, it's going to be status quo for the Buffalo Bills offense. Uh, But I do think Davis bumps up. I think he finishes as a solid wide receiver too. The big thing for me is what happens with Shakir and uh, Crowder. Are they going to be able to command enough targets to uh, either keep the running backs out of the passing game or keep the tight ends out of the passing game? And I'm not 100% sold yet that either one of them can. So I think it's top heavy. Uh, You're going to have Knox, you're going to have Diggs, you're going to have Davis, all probably with over 100 targets. So I think if I'm investing there, I'm okay to pay the price for Diggs and and Davis and, and Knox.
1: Yeah, I... I also like Josh Allen. I think he has the potential to be um, a QB one as well, probably because he has that rushing upside and rushing touchdowns, which were down a little bit last year. be curious to see if that was an aberration or if uh, they're getting a little bit smarter there. Um, I'll be curious to see how their approach on offense changes. If at all, you know, Brian Dayball went to, uh, the Giants, are they looking, you know, they they spent this offseason, we've talked about them needing a little bit more balance and probably needing to be able to rely on the running game. I thought Singletary looked good when they actually committed to running the ball toward the, down the stretch last season. You wonder with him in there, with James Cook, with D- Duke Johnson, with Zach Moss, do they keep them all? Do they mix them in? Do they make more of a concerted effort to run? Um I think Davis will take a step forward. I don't think his his ADP of wide receiver 35 is that far off. I'm not as bullish as you that he goes into wide receiver 2 territory. I think wide receiver 3-4 would still be a step up. I The big bulk of those targets they're trying to replace with 112 that went to Cole Beasley. He's more of that underneath slot receiver, and we've seen Jamison Crowder before. Fill in that role. I'm not saying that I think he's going to be in, you know, wide receiver two, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with 75 to 90 targets out of that group and ends up outproducing. He's the one at wide receiver 67. If he stays healthy, uh, being out there, I think he has a chance to take a huge chunk of Beasley's target share. And I think Knox will go up on targets. Gabe Davis will go up on targets as well. But I that piece the really the piece of the offense that they were missing is not that outside, it was the slot. And I think that's why they went and got Jameson Crowder. That's to me, that's the interesting value. Diggs is what he is. I, wide receiver five is fine to me. I mean, you're not getting any value, but that's probably about where you should be paying for him. We, we referenced the backs a little bit. Um, Singletary was strong to end 2021, but the team went up and got James Cook, and they took him a little bit higher uh, than some of us were expecting. How do you feel about the backfield? Is Zach Moss kind of dead? Duke Johnson's still there. Singletary, what are you doing?
2: Well, I, I want to see a back take the goal line touches and the short yardage touches away from Josh Allen. Allen was second on the team with 122 rushes uh, last year. And uh, Singletary led the way. He only had 188. The, um, the Bills had the 13th most rush attempts, So it wasn't like they completely abandoned the running game, but it was buoyed by Allen and his 122 rushes. I think with the drafting of Cook and the signing of Duke Johnson, I think they're putting themselves in sort of that uh, New England, that San Francisco sort of backfield mix where they're saying, look, I I don't know who's going to do it on any given day, but darn it, somebody's going to do it. And we've got some good enough backs. I don't know if Moss makes a return. Uh, I think that it almost feels like Buffalo is saying, you know, you win some, you lose some. We're going to keep him around because we're paying him. It doesn't make sense to let him go. And you never know. He might catch on. Uh, But I think when you saw Duke Johnson come in in Miami and get 20-plus carries and be productive after being out of the league, I think Buffalo was like, you know, he weighs 215 pounds. Maybe he can be our short yardage back. Um, He he doesn't have the pop that he used to. But I think when you look at at Singletary and Cook – and Duke Johnson, they all have kind of the varied skill set that you want in a back. It's just none of them have the talent to carry the load and be a featured back. So they're all going it, to – it's one of those situations where it wouldn't surprise me to see a different back on every series for four series in a row or five series in a row being the featured back because they all do things similar. I think Cook is probably the most explosive at this point and Johnson is the most powerful, but the three of them, you know, they're they're on a straight line and they're not too far from each other.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think the signing of Johnson and drafting Cook is more of an indictment of Zach Moss than anything else. It seems like they they wanted him to come in and have come, but for whatever reason, he just hasn't, Clicked with the coach or with the, the system. I mean, last year he had, health, he had some healthy scratch games. I think we've seen that they like Devin Singletary, but he's never going to be the only back in the backfield, so I wouldn't be surprised if those other two mix in. There's also a realistic possibility that this is it for Singletary. He's coming to the end of his rookie contract, that they're looking at Cook as potentially being the future, and we'll start to mix him in here. I'm with you that what you wanted to see out of Buffalo and the running game is, are they going to commit to giving a running back more carries down in the red zone? I wouldn't say that, that either Johnson or cook would be the first guy that you think of when you're talking about a bigger body to go in down there. It did seem like they started giving Singletary some more red zone carries um, toward the end of the season. He ended up actually not finishing uh too bad with seven rushing touchdowns, um, but I. It could just be a case of Josh Allen is bigger and is, is always going to be their best goal line back. So we'll have to see for fantasy purposes. You know the RB thirty three for Singletary, RB thirty six for Cook. I kind of like Singletary where he's going in that ADP. I don't think that he're going to get a huge jump in value off that. I'm not as sold that we see Cooks up super high or that we have a lot of backs that do well for Buffalo. I just, unless their offense substantially changes, which is possible, it just doesn't seem like they're interested in being a power running team right now. And given the AFC climate, maybe they don't need to be.
2: I mean, their highest running backs are both low end RB3s. Uh, I think I think they're that's built into their value right now. A win is going to be so last year Singletary had 188 carries and Moss was second in the running back room with 96. I think it'll be a win for the running game if Singletary goes over 200 and whoever the RB2 is gets over 100. That could feasibly push Allen down to 100 or maybe even a touch less. I think that's but that's all you're hoping for from this rush game. The running backs in this on this team are flex flex plays at best.
1: So the Bills were 11 and 6 last year, won the east again, a lot of preseason hype last year, a lot more preseason hype again this year. Their over under is 11 and a half wins. How do you feel about that win total and what do you see for the Buffalo Bills? Well,
2: New England had a surprisingly good year last year, I think. We'll talk about New England later this week. Um, But I think... Later today. Later... Oh, do we... Are they today? That's right. Um, The... uh, You you know, I I think the Jets in Miami, New England, Buffalo, it's going to be competitive in the division. But I... I... I my thing with New England is I just, I'm not sold on their concept right now. Um, Miami, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of questions about can Tua take the step and and the Jets, they're just young. So 11 and a half is such a good number, um, but I'm gonna take the slide over. I think New England is, new coordinators or not, I think they can pull off 12 wins.
1: Yeah, Buffalo had some odd stumbles last year because they came out pretty hot. And I, I had thought they were going to be the top seed in the AFC. They ended up not being too far off just because of the parity. I like the slight over. I think they finish at 12 and five. And I like the potential for them to be um, a top seed in the AFC yet again.
2: Football fans. DraftKings has changed the fantasy game DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. A new way to enjoy daily fantasy football, a new shot to win millions in prizes, and the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Fantasy Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineup of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, Like what you, just like what you did in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Free play free for millions and prizes all football season and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, you can tell I haven't done a read in a while, can't you?
1: Getting into the swing of things. The season's almost upon us. Well, the second half of the top part of the draw in the AFC East was the New England Patriots, who uh, finished a surprising 10-7 and 7 last year. Uh, making a grand return to the playoffs that was short lived as they got waxed by the rival Buffalo Bills in the wild card round. Uh, this offseason, their key departures, if you can call it that, is Nikhil Harry for the Bears, which we can already pour one out because he's already uh, managed to get. Uh, what they said, significantly injured. J.C. Jackson headed to the Chargers, as did Kyle Ooy. Key additions, they, they realized that, that wide receiver was absolutely crucial, and they went out and got the fourth-best playmaker from the Miami Dolphins in Devontae Parker. Uh, who's probably going to be their wide receiver one? And they signed safety Jabil, Jabril Peppers. In the draft, they shocked uh, almost everyone by taking Taekwon Thornton as their wide receiver selection all the way up in the second round. When they gra- grabbed a pair of running backs, Pierre Strong Jr. and Kevin Harris, uh, just to confound everybody and their brother. Uh, We'll turn to the running backs first. They went and drafted two running backs. They also still have James White, who's currently dealing with an injury. But they also have Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Damian Harris was RB14 last year. Ramondre Stevenson kind of came on at the end, but finished as RB47. They split a lot in the playoffs. Dennis, what do you think of this murky backfield in
2: 2022? I... You know, I mentioned earlier, I'm not sold on the concept. The concept being Matt Patricia and or Joe Judge running the offense. Belichick isn't known for his offensive mind. So right now we're sitting on three guys that, you know, for, I guess, for lack of a a better expectation, they're looking to win a lot of 10-7 games. Because that's the way this offense seems to be built. They've got two big running backs that are grinders in Harris and Stevenson. Then they added two more grinders in Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong. Now, Pierre Strong, despite his size, seems to be stepping into the James White role. But I don't know what's going on with, with White. Uh, is he? Are they just done? He's not going to make it back from the injury. He's getting up there in years. Um, I want to buy into the, uh, the offense having to run the ball a lot last year, Stevenson and Harris had, a, it was a 60 40 split and the Patriots, what there's only three targets different uh, difference between um, Damian Harris and uh, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, but Brandon Bolden had 49 targets And he's made his way to Las Vegas. Um, The team was 25th in pass attempts. So they're going to run. They're going to run the ball hard. They spent their first round pick on a guard that I think most people were surprised went in the top two rounds in cold strange, but Bill Belichick can sometimes build an offensive line and make them gel. And if, they play that ball control offense. We saw him go into Buffalo and throw the ball three times in a, a, in Gale wins. And so I, you know, Belichick might have something up his sleeve. I think if I, if I'm buying into anybody on this offense, I guess it's Damian Harris, low end Mac Jones this year. Again, for me, it's all about who's calling the shots. And I, I just don't, You know, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge were utter disasters as head coaches. And before they became head coaches, they were defensive guys or special teams guys. I don't think either one is really known for their offense.
1: I don't get the Matt Patricia potentially running your offense. He was Belichick's defensive coordinator. I mean, I get maybe they think he knows about offense because Detroit essentially let every offense in the world score a hundred points on them when he was the head coach there. Uh, But it's so, and if you watched New York giants offense the last couple of years, I'm with you. I don't know what makes you think that would be any kind of a step forward. I don't, do they even have any great offensive coaches?
2: Uh, maybe it's time to call Charlie Weiss
1: and see if he'll come out of retirement. Lord, um, I was honestly surprised that Damian Harris finished that high at RB fourteen, and I think it's because he had a surprising uh, fifteen touchdowns. Because he really only got two hundred and two carries, nine hundred and twenty nine yards. That's not a terrible volume, but that uh, you know smacks to me of low-end RB2, middling RB3 numbers. That's those 15 touchdowns. Are we still going to get that? Um, I thought New England was a fun story last year, and they really, you know, Mac Jones stepped up. But I I still think Mac Jones is decent. But I have questions about whether the head coaching – or not the head coaching – whether the coaching on offense has taken a little bit of a backseat. And also, we looked – the AFC – is brutal this year, um in terms of of the depth and everything. I wouldn't be surprised. We'll get to in a minute if the Patriots take a step back. I would feel more comfortable probably with with Damien Harris not counting on him to be, you know that high end r b two. Let me look at what is his ADP currently is RB28. I think that's more in line with my expectations. Stevenson coming up to RB38. I think he will probably take a little bit of a step up. We know the Patriots just get a whole bunch of people involved. If Pierre Strong really does end up getting um, the passing game work and James White isn't able to kind of recover and trying to get injury updates from the Patriots, well, you know, good luck. It's not – they're not incredibly forthcoming. I think Pierre Strong right now isn't really going in the ADP. That might be a real decent late round stash. But this backfield has been a nightmare for years. If I had to bet on one, it's probably still Harris and that ADP doesn't put me off of him, but it could be even more of a nightmare. You're right. Some of the they lost some offensive linemen this offseason again and I forgot about that infamous first round pick.
2: I mean, the thing with Harris is because of the way that offense is structured and what Belichick will try to do when they create a game plan, Harris may have four good games. And by good, I mean, you know, 13 points, 14 points in a row. And then he may have, you know, two games where he combines for five points because they're. Just deciding to, they're smarter than everybody else, and they're going to do something different with a different running back.
1: So we'll turn from one uh, quagmire of sadness to another quagmire of sadness, and that is the passing game. We're going to attack this in two pieces. First to the wide receiver room. They went and got Devontae Parker from the Dolphins. Jacoby Meyer last year actually finished better than some of us might have realized, finishing a wide receiver 29. Kendrick Bourne, who is one of two free agents they pulled in, finished as wide receiver 33, which wasn't too bad have a mark either. They also drafted Taequann Thornton, and they still have the other of those two free agent wide receiver signings in Nelson Aguilar. So what do you expect from the wide receivers here, Dennis?
2: Well, they certainly have a lot of depth. Like It's, <laughs> it's like a core of <laughs> wide receiver fives, I think, is what it's made up of. <laughs> yeah, you know? If you're looking for depth, go see New England. They've got lots of depth players. Um, no, I, I think Myers is the, the wide receiver one here and at going off the board at wide receiver 58, I do think he, he does present some value, you know, he's, so he's going off as a wide receiver five. I don't know that his value is much more than a high end wide receiver four. So, you know, that's, you know, that's flex worthy. Um, The thing with Parker is basically they brought Parker in to do what Nikhil Harry couldn't. Parker last year, if he had played all 17 games, he was on a pace to get 124 targets, but he only played 10 games. I don't think Parker is terrible. He just has consistency issues and he doesn't separate great. Now what he'll have going for him in new England is that Mac Jones is an extremely accurate passer. And so, he may he may put some passes where only Parker can catch him and see if Parker catches him. Um, Kendrick Bourne kind of gets the shaft here, but you know he was always sort of a, a a preseason guy to begin with, and then out of nowhere he'll come into a game and make like two fantastic catches, and you're like, well, why doesn't Bourne get more playing time, and then he disappears again. So I, I think they've got. Gonna be, I feel like it's gonna be a rough year in New England. They don't have a top-end wide receiver, they don't have a top-end running back, they're rebuilding their offensive line. And for the life of me, I don't get where Belichick is going with the coaching. I mean, I was just looking at their staff, they don't have any brilliant off. I mean, Troy Brown is probably the closest. He's the only offensive coach other than Judge and Patricia that I know. Uh, No, I guess I take that back. I I recognize Vinny Sinceri's name, the running back coach. But then I didn't realize they've got a second Belichick uh, on the defensive staff. So there's Steve and another one. So there's two Belichick kids on the defensive staff. I don't know. I'm staying so away from the offense,
1: man. The Patriots threw the ball 521 times last year, which wasn't a lot. Do you think that number goes up, changes much? I I don't. That was 25th in the NFL in pass attempts last
2: year. And the reason I don't is I think their defense is going to be good enough to keep games lower scoring. Uh, I think despite the, uh, despite the opponent – they're going to hit a lot of unders this year, I think. And mm-hmm. Like I said, they're playing for 10-7 wins, 13, 13-10s. It's, it's not going to be a lot of high-scoring games. Um, you know, but, Jones is going to be accurate. I just – there doesn't – there's not a game – break unless Tyquan Thornton comes out of nowhere, I don't think there's a game-breaker at the wide receiver position.
1: Well, and so that was going to be some of what I was going to come back to a wide receiver, too, that unlike Buffalo, where we were talking about all the vacated targets, New England doesn't really have – Nikhil Harry only saw 22 targets. They don't have a whole ton of vacated targets. Aguilar saw 64. Bourne saw 70. um, 126 for Jacoby Myers. If you wager that Myers remains – Somewhat consistent, and I'm with you that he's probably the receiver I trust the best. And at a, an ADP of wide receiver 58, I actually think there is some value there. You know, Parker comes in. Maybe he ends up with 70 or 75 targets, but that's probably about it. And then Bourne probably ends up, you know, 60 to 65 targets. Aguilar, not much, and then maybe you see Tycon Thornton pick up like the Nikhil Harry 22 targets. The The question, too, is that tight end, they splashed out a lot of money last year for Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. And Henry provided a pretty decent return, and Johnny Smith looked like he was hardly available. I didn't realize Hunter Henry only saw 75 targets last year. He was pretty insanely efficient, catching 50 of them for 600 yards and nine touchdowns, only 45 targets for Johnny Smith. Both those guys have seemingly been making waves in the off offseason. Um, Jonu Smith, people have put out you know a lot of numbers, and he did sign the bigger of the contracts. So, what do you think? How do you think the tight ends factor in, and where are you expecting Mac Jones to finish?
2: I honestly, I don't know what to make of the tight end situation. Last year, we, I, I think we all thought that it was going to be Jonu Smith the one being the most fantasy relevant. And it was completely the opposite. Now, Smith was dealing with some stuff in the offseason, missed a lot of work. Um, But still, I'd like to think somebody, it it isn't like he was a rookie. He's been in the NFL for five years. Uh, I felt like he should have maybe picked things up a little bit better. Now, Smith is the more athletic of the two. I think they're both reasonable pass catchers. I don't, I don't, you know, they had what, uh, 120 targets between the two of them. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think that's what the split, you know, that's what they're going to have to split this year. You know, maybe Smith gets a little more and Henry gets a little less. Uh, Henry had nine touchdowns compared to Smith's one. So one of them maybe makes up for it with touchdowns. We've seen Smith get used in the running game before. So maybe some of that, but, Most of their running backs are big bruisers. So what's the virtue of using John Smith as a big running back when all your running backs are big bruisers to begin with? Um, I, I I just don't see the offense as being real productive outside of Jacoby Myers. And I think right now, Mac Jones going at QB 20. He finished QB 18 last year. I think that's where he he ends. I think that's – it. I don't want to say ceiling. I I just don't feel like there's a – I don't think there's a real bottom. Like, I don't see QB 29 as as his floor. I think he's like QB 18 to 22. I think he falls in there. He doesn't have a wide range um, because he is an accurate passer.
1: Yeah, I don't think it has, for me, as much to do with him as – the kind of offense they're running I actually think he is low in QB2 I wouldn't be surprised if you know some of these other quarterbacks that potentially stay healthy throughout the season end up going uh, and pushing him down into the QB 24 25 range um especially you know waiting to see even if Deshaun Watson only plays 10 games I bet he ends up outproducing um Mac Jones for fantasy just because of the the nature of how they're, they're going to play. So QB 20 actually feels a little bit rich for me for Mac Jones. I'm with you on the tight ends. I almost think if the tight end production increases, it means it's pulling it out of the wide receiver pool. So then do we see Myers only get around 100 targets and and Parker around 60 targets and the 50 for Bourne and 30 something for Aguilar. I, I'm with you unless they substantially increase the amount that they're passing or they stop passing to running backs because Brandon Bolden is the other one that vacates targets. He vacates 49 something targets. We assume that's going to be consumed somewhere else in the backfield. If that bounces out to receivers or tight ends, maybe they go up. But uh, Henry, you know, I think you're seeing that he finished tight end 10 last year. He's going at 17, taking that little bit of a discount. Johnny Smith finishes tight end 35. He's going at tight end 34. I think it reflects that, you know, maybe we all wanted Johnny to be a thing and he's not going to be a thing.
2: So, you know, look at this. I just kind of pulled up pro football reference. And surprisingly, New England scored the sixth most points in the NFL last year. So, Based on what we've just spent the last twenty-five minutes talking about, we're crediting Josh McDaniels with that, and I know that how much that hurts you.
1: He's uh, a fantastic offensive coordinator. If all you did was give him, a, would I? What I objected to was him as a personal manager.
2: So it's, I mean, maybe it could. I could be wrong about how many points they produce. It just doesn't feel like it right now, and I, I'm no. I'm willing I'm willing to fade um, the the New England uh, fantasy weapons right now.
1: All right, well, we're fading. You know, I think we're both a little bit in agreement there. The Patriots kind of surprised a little and made the playoffs, winning ten games last year. Their over under win total is nine wins this year. How do you feel about the over under, and can they make the playoffs again?
2: I'm going to say, no, I'm going to take the under. I think it, they feel like a seven to eight win team for me.
1: Yeah, we're they, pretty
2: much Maybe sure. that's just my hate of Matt Patricia as a Lions fan. I mean, I fully acknowledge that bias.
1: No, I just, this was a year where a lot of AFC teams took big steps forward with their offensive and defensive weapons. And after a spending spree last year that didn't make a ton of sense, it feels like the Patriots kind of went the other way, so I am there with you. I actually think, um, I think I'm going to take the slide under. I think they end up winning eight games. I think they that there's going to be probably a lot more parity, a lot more teams between seven and eleven wins um, throughout the league because the NFC because the NFC and the AFC have more parity, and I I just don't think. I think New England got lucky in some close games that they maybe can't duplicate. Ah, poor Patriots. Poor Patriots. They'll just have to rest on there. How many super bowls is it? 6, 7, 91. Yeah, Boston. Well, that's going to do it for today and the first half of the AFC East. Uh, Much like has been the case for the past couple of weeks, uh, this is our only live show this week. We will be back with a live show next Monday as we turn to everyone's favorite team, America's team the Dallas Cowboys, and the top of the NFC East. But Friday, uh, the Fantasy Football uh, Expo begins, and Dennis and Matt are going to be there. So we will be dropping an audio episode only. We will not be live, but we will be back live again next Monday. So until then, uh, not to steal Dennis's thunder, but rate and review. You got it, man.